Amen, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Give you glory and honor and praise. We honor you tonight and we, we glorify you and we thank you for the word that we receive. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. And I understand Pastor Tom had a great word last Wednesday night. Kind of, I heard it was, uh, he, he named it Lean On Me or something. Remember that song, Lean On Me? When you're not strong, I'll give you strength to carry on. Because it won't be long now. <laughs> All right. First Timothy chapter 4. <laughs> Verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables. I don't even know what that is, but don't go near it. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profits little... But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promised a life that now is and the life which is to come. Verse 8 and verse 15 basically say this within the context. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them and your profiting will appear to all. Amen. In the New Living Translation, it says, Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas, old wise tales. Instead, train yourself to be what? To be godly. So we are in training. We are not in trying. People that are trying always come up with some sort of an excuse never to follow through on the things that I believe that God would have them to do. But when you're in training, it's a whole Different ball game. Amen? I, I don't want to have someone cut my hair tomorrow. I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow at 3 p.m. and say, well, I'm going to try to get it. No. Forget it. Give me the one who's had the training. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Amen. And uh, last week, you know, we flew home uh, from uh, Branson, Missouri, and uh, they didn't get on the uh, thing and say, well, we're going to try to get you to Oakland. No, no, no. I want someone in that cockpit that's been trained. Are you listening to me? All right. And, you know, we had about a two-hour wait once we got in the jet because there was something wrong with the nose. It didn't bother me at all. Just fix the stinking nose. I'm not going to get nervous, you know, about having to wait a couple hours. I'll just go off and get me a cappuccino and a pizza or whatever. And wait, but get the nose fixed. Get somebody that's trained on that. Because I've got a race to run. And I'm going to finish my course. I'm not going to let anybody finish my course for me. I am going to finish my course. How about you? Do you have a course to finish? Do you have a race to run? Do you have a vision from God? Well, get in training and get after it. Amen. So physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. The message says it this way. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit both today and tomorrow. So in this life, you will always arrive at a future place, either by design 
Intentional or by default because you failed to act. But you are going somewhere. Amen? And not everything that happens in this life is beyond your control. You must discipline, we must discipline ourselves day by day. I like the message translation of Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. So if you have it, pull it up. But notice this with me. It says, don't look for shortcuts with God, to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. It requires total attention. Now, let me open up another email here. And let's go to some other notes. And we will track this through and uh, talk about how that we can be in training. As I've said before, there's many things in this life that we're trying to do that we should be training to do. Okay? When we try to accomplish things, we live in a pass or fail mentality. So just as an athlete trains physically, we must train spiritually. Amen? It's easy to be a Christian when you're in church. But how many of you know we need to train ourselves for the real world? Because life and this world we live in is going to throw some situations at us. And so here's what I want you to see tonight. Training is a process. Training is more about process and progress. Now, we said a couple of weeks ago, the last time we opened up this series, we discovered this, that if you're in training, you need to have a goal. You know, if you're going to Chabot, there's got to be a goal. If you're going to get an education, there's got to be a goal. Amen. And I believe that in Christ Jesus, our number one goal should be that you and I are blessed to be a blessing. And the word blessed entails with it all sorts of favor, all sorts of joy. Come on now. All sorts of happiness. Days of heaven on earth. But God didn't just bless us for us to start a bless me club. It's not this, oh Lord, just bless me, John, my wife, us four, and no more. No, thank God we're blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. And I can hear Mabel say, what did she used to say? Bless him, Lord. That's right. Thank you, Mabel. Amen. One person said this. He said, uh, in life, there's got to be measurable progress in a reasonable time. Or you need to make substantial changes. Amen? In life, there's got to be measurable progress. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> in a reasonable time. I'm laughing because a week ago Sunday, we boarded a jet for Branson at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, had two services, filled up with an In-N-Out burger, slept part of the way, got to Dallas, had to wait a couple hours, then flew to Springfield, and then Brenda got this new GPS on her phone. And so we're outside of the Springfield airport, and it didn't start out right. We couldn't find our rental car. That was my bad. 
there was no measurable progress for about 20 minutes out in the parking lot. So we needed to make a substantial change. And then we got on the road, and it was one in the morning, and we... And all of a sudden, this GPS went silent. It told us to go on double E. It's a county road. I'm telling you, man, we were on double E for miles and miles and miles. It felt like we we're heading for Arkansas. And it was dark. And sister so-and-so on the GPS just shut right up. There was no measurable progress. So we had to make a substantial change and turn around and get back where we could see some lights. And thank God we finally made it to our place we were staying at three in the morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Got to bed by four, but it was all good. So, you know, maybe you're lost a little bit in your life. Maybe you're trying to get to Los Angeles and you're heading toward Oregon. Well, I'm telling you, you might need to turn around and make some substantial changes. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a diet guy and I, you know, I'm not, hey, I, I just, I like to eat, all right? But, you know, if you've, you know, been prescribed a diet and you've gained 30 pounds on it, and there's been no measurable progress, you might need to make a substantial change. Just a thought. All right, turn over to Mark chapter 4, and let's look at verse 26 through 29. Everyone say, thank you, Lord. Progress, process, progress, process. Law of seed time and harvest. It's not just harvest, it is the law of seed time and harvest. Okay? In Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to be looking from the New King James Version, uh, verse 26 through 29, and he said, this is Jesus, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed into the ground, and he should sleep night and day, and rise by day, and the seed should sprout, and what does it do? Whose responsibility is it to sow the seed? Whose responsibility is it to see it grow? Amen. You're smart. He himself does not know. But it's the law of seed time and harvest. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade. Then the head. After that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle. Why? 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 Because the process is over. It's harvest time. But what a lot of people try to do is they try to reap a harvest where there's been no seed planted. And then if they have planted seed, sometimes they try to reap the harvest too soon. Too quickly. Before the full corn in the ear comes up. Right, come on now, this is good preaching. And they get impatient. You know, the Word of God says it is through faith and patience that we reap the harvest, that we inherit the promises. So this scripture basically explains how this process works. The kingdom of God is based on the process that operates by seed system. Now, here's the neat thing 
about being in training and the process and the progress of the seed time and the harvest. One thing that you can always rely on, this is not a works program. The grace of God always shows up in the process. Oh, that's good news. The grace of God is there right in the midst of your training time. The Holy Spirit's your trainer, and He is the Spirit of grace. He is not the Spirit of legalism, but He is the Spirit of grace. And grace now is not opposed to effort. But what grace is opposed to, grace is opposed to earning. So in our life, in training, there is this grace-effort combo. There's the combination between both, okay? Now, as I study the Word of God, and I know you studied it as well, we will see in the Word of God that most of the promises are conditional, okay? God does His part, but we also do our part. There's our part, there's God's part. We are co-laborers together with Him. Now think about it. Here are some areas that really will affect our training. Number one, how we think. How we think. How we view God. Number two, how we speak. And number three, what we do or how we act. If you're taking notes, once again, how we think. Number one. Number two, how we speak. And then number three, what we do and how we act. Let's talk about this one tonight. We don't want to try to bite off more than we can chew because this is a huge subject and we're going to be on it for several weeks. So let's talk about how we think. Well, let's talk about our view of God. My view of God and your view of God affects everything. It affects everything. And it's going to determine if you start training or you just keep trying or you just give up. Let me just ask you a few questions. Number one, and I think I know the answer because you're pretty well taught here. Do you think God is a God of law or a God of grace? grace. Do you think God is for you or against you? Do you think that God's grace is only for forgiveness or does it also mean unmerited, absolute, divine favor? Glory to God. Well, let's go home. Amen. But to reach our goals, you know, we need things we don't have and can't provide for ourselves. We need a source, don't we? One who looks on us favorably and thank God he wants to help us. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, our good friend of our ministry and Brenda's and my good friend wrote a book called Grace, the DNA of God. How many of you got a copy of that book? Well, you're probably going to recognize some of the things because I'm going to quote directly from his book on grace versus law. Listen to these little nuggets here. Grace versus law. The law imposes divine standards based on God's holiness for the purposes of revealing to man his sinfulness and making him aware of his need for divine assistance. But grace imparts divine life based on God's benevolence for the purpose of, ma of making man a partaker of the divine nature and enabling the plan of God to be built, to be fulfilled through him. Hallelujah. Now that's good news. 
Now, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by The law prohibits us from coming to God, but grace bids us to come as we are. And he that cometh to God will never be cast out. So law condemns the sinner, grace redeems the sinner. The law slays with a curse, grace quickens with a blessing. The law shuts every mouth. Grace opens every mouth in praise to God. The law says, do this or die. Grace says, it's done. Now, go ahead and live. (laughs) Now, listen to this one. The law says, try to do your best. How many times have you heard that? Just try, dear honey. But grace says, trust and rest. The law condemns the best man, but grace justifies the worst man. The law says, pay for what you owe. Grace says, it's paid in full. The law provides the basis for the imputation of sin. Grace provides the basis for the impartation of righteousness. The law is the wages of sin is death. But grace says, the gift of God is eternal life. I love it. The law reveals man's sin. But grace reveals God's love. The law demands obedience, but grace gives you power to obey. The law was written on stone. Grace was written on the heart. The law brought us into bondage, but oh, thank God Jesus came and set us free into glorious liberty. You know, you could preach that. The law genders fear, but grace genders faith. The law was done away at Calvary. But grace abides forever. The law ends with a curse, but grace ends with a blessing. Hallelujah. So when we're in training, when when we're developing ourselves spiritually, when we're meditating in the Word, when we're putting the Word first place, when we're instantly obeying the voice of our spirit, when we are doers of the Word of God, remember this that the grace of God is there with you to help you accomplish everything that God said you could do. So in grace, then, we are not rejected, we are accepted. And so in grace, we've got help beyond ourselves. I'm leaning on the grace of God tonight. How many of you ever gone to work, you know, and just saying, you know, Lord, I don't feel like working, but your grace is sufficient for me. Many have been the times where I've got up behind the pulpit. I didn't feel like preaching, but I know his grace is good. I know Pastor Tom can testify to that. Many times he's gotten up behind that piano, hadn't felt a thing, hadn't felt a thing. Amen. But he knows that his grace, God's grace is sufficient. And as long as his grace is sufficient, he's more than more than enough for anything and every task that you and I face. Amen. God is for us. God is in us. God is on our side. I submit to you tonight that trying harder is not the answer. The grace of God and tapping into the grace of God with your faith and by your faith, I believe, is a major answer. Amen. Now, so we said last time that the Holy Spirit is our trainer. He will show us things to come. He will bring comfort in to our lives. Amen? 
He is your source and he will, he will help you be happy. You know, the, the kingdom that you got, you and got, um, Basta. The kingdom that you and I are a part of is not a kingdom of sorrow. It's not a kingdom of depression. But it's a kingdom of righteousness. It's a kingdom of peace. And it's a kingdom of joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will help you to be happy. And you know what else He'll do? He'll help you to be stable. Not up one day, not down the next, but stable. Amen? Living for God. He will help you to be fruitful, not fruity. You know, in John 15, verse 5, quite frankly, there's nothing that we can do without Him. But Philippians 4, 13, let's pull this up. I heard a person say years ago that success comes in cans. Look at Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. Hallelujah. Yes, pastor, wear short sleeve shirts. Yeah! (laughs) I got a lot of work to do. I'm still in training. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Philippians 4.13. Let's say it together real strong. I can do all things through Christ. Which one? Can you? Will you? Now say this with me. I will do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So then our view of God, how we see God, affects us. It determines whether we are just try it out or whether we will buy into it and we will train hard. Your view of God, of His character, of His attributes then, becomes like a filter, or we could say it this way, that our view of God becomes a lens of how we view everything else in life. So we need to understand that God's character and His attributes have to be in order. We need to see Him correctly so that we can see life through the proper perspective. You know, really, you could do a study, an in-depth study in the book of Genesis, and we won't take time to do it tonight. But how many of you know that God pursued Adam and Eve even though they sinned? They missed it. They messed up royally, but God didn't turn their back on them. God went looking for them. And when he saw and when they knew that they were naked, what did he do? He clothed them with coats of skins. Did you know that blood needed to be shed for coats of skins? Amen. To be put on Adam and Eve. That's a type of blood covenant. God was saying to Adam and Eve, you missed it, you messed up, but I still love you and my hand is still upon you. Come on, somebody. Oh, glory to God. And when you look at the first time that he really revealed his character to Moses, look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 in the New King James Version. Exodus, the third chapter, the 14th verse. How do you view God? 
Do you view them as somebody with a big fly swatter that's going to get you for something you did? God's going to get you for that. I remember Kenneth Copeland saying years ago, if God was going to get you for that, he would have already done gotcha. Amen? God's not our problem. He's on our side. Amen. In Exodus, the third chapter and the 14th verse, and God said to Moses, you see, Moses was in a dilemma because Moses was called by God to do something that was absolutely remarkable and absolutely miraculous. God spoke to Moses and said, you are going to lead my people out of Egyptian bondage into the promised land. Amen. And Moses was very insecure, like a lot of Christians are today. Remember Sunday morning, we talked about that we must remove every obstacle out of our way so that we can receive the goodness of God, because God, in fact, is looking for a receiver. Amen? He's looking for believers, but He's looking for believers who are also receivers. And you can't walk, in or walk around in life with a low self-esteem and low self-confidence and receive from God. It's time to come up and awake to who you are in Christ Jesus. Oh, glory to God. But Moses was sort of in that dilemma. And so he said, you know, God, who, who shall I say sent me? I mean, what shall I do? I mean, Pharaoh and his army, I mean, they're big. And God said to Moses, you tell him I am who I am has sent you. This is what you shall say to the children of Israel. Woo! Glory to God. That I am has sent me to you. Now that will preach right there. He says, I am. God was never created by some greater power. He was never conjured up by some human mind. He depends on no one and nothing to continue living. He will live forever. He has been forever. And I am signifies that He is the self-existent one and that He is self-sufficient. So you just walk up to big old bad Pharaoh and you say, Boy, I am has sent me. Glory to God. And so we need to view him as all-powerful, omniscient, omniscient, loving, full of strength, full of power. And you remember in the Bible where he began to reveal himself by different names? You know, we have different names of, of God on our prayer cloths. And uh, I don't see any of them, but one of the names that he reveals himself by is El Elyon. We got to view him as El Elyon. El Elyon is not a Mexican dish. El Elyon is the most high God. Come on now. El Elyon is the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, deliverer from all of our enemies. El Elyon has sent me. And he also revealed himself as El Shaddai or El Shaddai. 
And El Shaddai, or El Shaddai, I say it El Shaddai because I've heard that many times, but he is El Shaddai, El Shaddai. You know what that means? He is the God who is more than, more than enough. Woo, glory to God. When he showed up to Abraham, he said, I am almighty God. I am your abundant compensation. I am your exceeding great reward, boy. I'm El Shaddai. Abraham, all you get to do is follow me. And I'll make you rich, boy. I'll make a covenant with you. And your seed will be mighty upon the earth. Abraham was having little visual problems. So God took Abraham outside and said, Look, son, up there in the sky, number the stars. Abraham's out there. And all of a sudden, something's happening in his spirit. He's beginning to get enlarged. He's beginning to get a word picture of being the father of many nations. And he looks out there. Don't you know God made those stars shine bright that night? And he says, I want you to number the stars, son. Go out there and see if you can number them. And Abraham couldn't even number them because they were there by the trillions. And all of a sudden, Abraham looks up and something happens down here. He has an enlarged heart. And he says, your seed shall be greater than the stars in heaven. Your seed shall be more mighty than the sand on the beach. Oh, glory to God. You know, some of us need a word picture. Because there's nothing impossible with our God. What he's looking for is us to get out of our narrow restricted view of God. Come on now. In our narrow restricted view of ourselves, of what we can do in our own strength and be filled with all the fullness of God and have our hearts just be opened and our eyes be enlightened, able to see what we couldn't see, able to hear what we couldn't hear. And all of a sudden, Yes, Lord, it's mine. I have it now. What you spoke to me years ago, I see it now. And now I know I can do it by the grace of God because the strength of the Holy Ghost is in me and on me. And I've got a covenant with a covenant-keeping God. Mm. And so I'm praying every day for you, Heart of the Bay. And I'm praying for Pastor Mark and Pastor Brendan, Pastor Tom and all of our pastoral staff. I'm praying that we would be strengthened with might by the Holy Ghost in the inner man. That we would be filled with all the fullness of God. That our our hearts would be enlarged. That what seems difficult and what seems like it's been drudgery and what seems like it's just been just like this. All of a sudden, our hearts are going to be enlarged. And we're going to get a vision. And we're going to be able to receive because of an enlarged heart, everything that God wants to do. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Just pray this right now, Lord. Enlarge my heart. Help me to see what I don't see. Strengthen me in my spirit. Fill me, Lord. 
With all the fullness of God. Now, when you really think about it, I've gone beyond 30 minutes. If you want me to stop, then you can leave. I'm not going to stop. But in Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Why? Because he's a big God. But he put a condition on it. He said, it's according to the power working in you. In other words, you could say it, it's according to how much can you believe? How much can you receive? And when we're narrow and restricted and bound by the limitations that this world system places on us, we'll not receive much from God. But oh, glory to God. Our hearts are being enlarged. I said our hearts are being enlarged. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to be a greater blessing heart of the bay than we've ever been before. Hallelujah. The things that the devil told you will never be. Once your heart is enlarged and once you get a glimpse, you say, yes, it shall be even as it was told me. It shall be according to the word of God. For I call those things that be not as though they were so be enlarged. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. I preach myself happy. I don't know whether I helped you tonight or not on this Wednesday night at here at Heart of the Bay, but I preach myself happy. El Shaddai. Yeah, baby. He that dwelleth in the secret place of El Elyon shall abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. Woo, glory to God. You start dwelling in him, El Shaddai will start bumping into El Shaddai and you'll have yourself some kind of Holy Ghost revival in your soul. Amen. Here's a few other names for God. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. Everyone say Shalom. Say it with me. Shalom, Shalom. He says, I am your peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, I am your righteousness. Jehovah Nisi, I am your banner. I am your victor. I am your conqueror. I am Jehovah Yireh. It's Jireh, but literally it's Yireh, but it doesn't do much for the song. But he is Jehovah Yireh. On the mountain of the Lord, he said to Abraham, it shall be seen because you haven't withheld your son, your only son. I'll not withhold my son for he is the lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. And he said, you mark it down on this very mountain. It'll be seen. It'll be seen. It shall be seen. Your provision shall seen, be seen. You see, God is the God who goes before. Amen? So when you have vision, you see it. Pro means to go before. So when he says, I'm Jehovah Jireh, he says, I saw your need before you were ever aware that it existed. But not only did I see your need, but I made provision for your need to be met. Because I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm El Shaddai, I'm the God that's more than enough. Mm. 
All right, I'll go back here. <laughs> oh, glory. Come on, somebody shout tonight. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. <laughs> Woo! Jehovah Jireh. He says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. I am the great physician. I still make house calls tonight. You're the house of God. You're the temple of God. And He's your doctor. He's your physician. And so the last statement I want to make is this. By understanding God's names, His attributes, His track record, your view of God should be aided and should be, it should free you into the grace and training instead of law and trying. Stand up, everybody. Lift your hands up and say this with me. Heavenly Father, I love you, but you love me before I loved you. Say this with me. Love loves me. I believe in your love. You are the great I am. Open my eyes. Help me see. That you are actually pursuing me. That you love me. You care for me. You're covering me. And you want to fellowship with me. And you want to talk with me. Can we praise him just for a moment tonight? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God.